want to welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. Man, do we have, I feel like I kind of have an all-timer, all-timer for you. It's really, really good one. Um, Chris Jenkins is synonymous with hitting the game-winning shot for Villanova to win their first of two recent national championships, right? Obviously, they won one back with Raleigh, um, and we'll have part two dropping of Steve Lapis uh, either this weekend or or ne- ne- next week. But regardless... I mean, if you think about the NCAA tournament, like we used to go crazy over um, Butler almost making a midcourt shot. Instead, now we have the made shot, like the the perfect ending to an NCAA tournament where Chris Jenkins, trail man, hits a three. But before we get to him hitting the three, there's so much more that's interesting about his life. You know, what led him to go and live with Nate Britt's family far from his South Carolina home? What was it? What, what was it like to first show up at, at Villanova? How did he lose all that weight? And then was there ever a moment where he thought he wouldn't remain at Villanova? Maybe he'd leave and transfer out. Um, part one with Chris Jenkins is really interesting. And uh, let's let's get to it now before we give you some breakdowns on on the sport that we all love so much. Um, before we get to, I was actually thinking about this and I, I like to go kind of chronological order, but have you ever stopped to think, and this is the thing about this, the shot that you hit is not only the biggest shot in the history of college basketball. I, I actually might challenge people to tell you, it might be the biggest shot in the history of American basketball. Think about this for a second. Okay. So we've had like Jordan hit. The shot, his last, really his last shot as a pro. I know he retired, came back, whatever. But there was still time on the clock. John Stockton got another look, right? Tyree's shot, that wasn't at the buzzer. Right? You go back, there's um, Magic hit a baby sky hook, but it wasn't to decide the title against the Celtics. Okay, so there hasn't been, by my estimation, a buzzer-beating game-winning shot in a deciding game seven. And seeing as you have the buzzer beating shot, you know, in a deciding final four. And by the way, like a great game of, you know, two Titanic powers, you know, like you could make the argument. I don't know if it's a, that strong an argument as you hit the, the biggest shot in the history of the sport. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that is, that is pretty crazy. I never looked at it like that, though. Now that you say that, I might have to challenge some of my old heads to that theory. <laughs> right, because, you know, there's the NC State one. Now, the argument against the NC State one is yours required skill, right? It was part of the, the design of the play, okay? You had to have balance. I mean, you're shooting a 27, 28-footer, okay, with rhythm and balance, and you hit it as the buzzer goes off and everything comes out. That was a, they had really no play. They just shot a terrible shot, caught an air ball and dunked it. So the the only argument for the NC State one would be mine required more skill. And it was actually that called play. Right. <laughs> All right, let's start. Let's start to start. Okay. When you were growing up playing basketball, where was the park that you, that, that you first started playing? So when I first started playing basketball, because my mom was a college basketball coach at her alma mater where she went to college, uh, Claflin University in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So I, I had the basketball in my hand pretty early, whether it would be just shooting with her after or before one of her practices or actually getting into some of the drills with some of the, the young ladies that she was, she was actually helping with. So um, I, would, I would always shoot with my mom. Where they decide, like she taught me so much about the game, all the way down to my shot, the form, technique, just very, very detailed and everything. Uh, she was uh, in the military, so you could probably get a sense of of how tough it. Was. Yeah, what 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 was she what she like as a coach? Okay, so she's in the military, she's a coach. Like, what was what what was she really like? I mean, my mom was 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 tough. You know, no nonsense, foot on my throat. Um, I could always do better. Um, even when I did well, it was, well, what are you going to do the next time um, to make yourself better, to help your teammates, things like that. So she was always on me still to this day, just about everything in life, not just basketball. So I'm very, very appreciative to to have that upbringing growing up. Okay. So you're in South Carolina. Okay. Uh, then what? So then I, uh, I play in an AAU tournament down in uh, Florida. I, f- I actually forgot the name of it. It was a AAU nationals. Um, we played against this team called the Maryland United Ballers, 
and they happened to have a young man by the name of Nate Britt playing on the team. And that's when I first got introduced to the Britt family. And uh, my family and his family exchanged information, um, kept in contact. And then when I was about 11 or 12, that's when I made my my move to uh, to Maryland, PG County, right outside of Washington, D.C. What, what's that What's that like for you at that age, to, to, to have that drastic move? I mean, at the time, you kind of just don't know. You're so young. Um, all you see is that, you know, you're not going to be around your family as much and things like that. But looking back on it, it just happened to be one of the best things that ever happened to me because it gave me a chance at life, uh, at the things that I wanted for myself. And uh, that's one thing I will always give my parents credit for is uh, a lot of people say they'll do anything for their kids um, until it's actually that time. And my parents and my mom and everybody made that decision. And I'm pretty sure it was tough on them, just as tough on them as it was on me. Plus, you're at that age and this is you, know, you, you grew up in the cell phone era, but still, this is before kids, little kids had cell phones. So, like, how much did you stay in communication with your parents? Yeah, so my parents bought me my first cell phone right before I got on my first flight to fly to Maryland, the, my very, very first time. So um, we, I had a chance to speak to them a lot. You know, it was frequent. They would come up and meet us at tournaments or um, come up and see me or I would go back home uh, at the end of the summer when the AAU season ended. So I always found time to make sure that I, I got back home to see my family. And we, we definitely spoke on the phone a lot. OK, so what was middle school like? I mean, middle school, it was tough for me because I was transitioning from South Carolina and I went to a private school called Modern, the Modern Day School in Bethesda, Maryland, which happened to be uh, one of my favorite things in my life. Uh, that's that's kind of where I first learned in my life some things that I wanted to do outside of basketball as far as like me as a person. And I found that foundation there at the Modern Day School. I attended with Nate Britt and also DJ Finner, the son of Derek Finner who played in the NFL. Um, so we all attended the school together and then Nate and I transitioned to Gonzaga High School. Yeah, so, what, so, so what's Gonzaga like? I mean, I, I know it only through uh, some friends in Maryland as like a, a, a basketball powerhouse, right? But again, I don't know anything about the school, literally nothing. What's it like? I mean, the school is great. It's a it's an all-boys Catholic school, Jesuit Catholic school, right in, right in the heart of Washington, D.C., you could take two steps from the campus and look straight at the Capitol. Um, I mean, like you're really right in the middle of D.C. And Gonzaga was some of the was also some of the best years of my life. You know, the brotherhood that I built there, some of the retreats that I went on just to learn about, you know, my other classmates that didn't look like me, didn't come from my same background to just understand them and their thought process. And just it just opened my eyes up to so many things outside of you know the community that I grew up in and then especially coming from South Carolina the country moving up to the big city yeah what was that like 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 what was socially what was it what was it like I mean socially it was kind of awkward I kind of just hung around my my friends that played basketball until I got comfortable kind of in my own skin and my own voice and just continue to find myself because it was a, a little tough transition but Everybody accepted me for who I was, and I think they appreciate me just like I appreciate them. Like, Gonzaga is definitely one of those places where, you know, it's kind of you you had to be there and go through it to kind of understand it. So there's nothing like a great Gonzaga, man. I'm pretty sure you're friends. There's, there, there's, a little, there's a little Villanova to it, it feels like, you know, right. in that, um, you know, private school. You know, uh, you do people come from money, but there's also kind of a tight knit culture that's that's different from other places. That, that's is that a fair parallel? No, that, that's definitely a fair, fair assessment. And um, like you said, it's a, it's a private school. So you kind of really, really get to know the people that you're around. And, you know, Gonzaga, I, I still have my best friends that I met through high school. Um, we still keep in contact to this day, and I'm pretty sure our our 10th year anniversary is getting ready to come up in the next two or three years. So I'm looking forward to to getting back and seeing the guys and seeing how we've all transitioned throughout life. So that's definitely a, a bookmark in my life that I'm looking forward to. So uh, your relationship with Nate, now you guys are living together, right? Now you guys are everybody. And it's one thing to be friends, another thing to be basically adopted brothers, Okay, and then you're both competitive dudes in the same space. What's what's that like during high school in terms of your relationship? I mean, our relationship is great. It was great, and um, all we did was push each other and make each other better. And um, we we just had each other to go through all those life experiences together. You know, 
growing up, it could be tough getting in trouble by yourself and doing all these things by yourself. So to get spankings together, to win tournaments together, eat at the dinner table together. So wait, his parent his parents spanked you? Oh yeah, man. D- definitely got discipline for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, when you come from a military family, you just, you, you fall you fall in love. Okay, so when did you okay, when you when you got to when you got to Nova, you were heavy. Now, were you always heavy in high school, or or was that kind of late in high school you started putting on a little weight? Nah, I was kind of always heavy just throughout my life growing up. You know, I never been a skinny kid. So I always had some weight on me. So like you said, when I got to college, I was definitely a little heavy for sure. Okay. So, so we'll get to that in a second. Why, how, how did the, how did Villanova come to be? Cause I've heard Jay's version of it. What's the real version of it? <laughs> so at first Villanova was recruiting Nate. So, you know, Nate's my brother, we're family. So every visit that I had, every visit that he had, you know, we attended together as a family, just like every, every normal family would. So, you know, I guess I would go up there with Nate when he visited the school and then, you know, they would talk to him, recruit him. And then I guess I kind of just popped up on the scene because I started to play out of my mind in high school. And then I kind of just jumped on the scene and never looked back. (laughs) I think I'm trying to think he told me the story. He told me, uh, man, what's my man's name? Played at Duke. Jaleel Okafor. Oh, Jaleel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the story that I was told, okay, that he went to, was he playing against him in high school or we was did, it in we, AU? Whitney Young, we played them in high school at the Cancer, uh, Cancer Research Classic in West Virginia. Right. So, so Jay claims to have attended the game, and he's like, you know, at the time, Jaleel Jow was considered the best prospect in the country, and he's like six inches taller than you. And he said, like, you, you can't basically – you kicked his ass – and he was like, I, I want that kid. That That's the story that he told. That's the story that he told. That, that might have some truth to it because it was around that time where things started to change for me, not only with uh, Villanova, but just nationally, like my name, the notoriety and things like that. So that that definitely has some truth to it. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you, How did you process, though, that at first they weren't recruiting you and instead they were recruiting Nate? Like, was there... There's got to be some either competitive jealousy or whatever. I, I understand like he handled it great, but what's going on inside of you? I mean, in, in my mind, it's just I, I, I was running my own race, just like I am still to this day. You know, I, I, I never try to compare myself or my journey to to anyone else's because you, you drive yourself crazy. So when that was going on, I just kept my head down and just knew that, you know, I'll have my time where, you know, everybody's watching or everybody will hear about it. And then whenever, when that happens, there's no looking back. You know, what's funny is I think now everybody looks back and they're like, well, Villanova, you know, model program, two national championships. But when when you went there, like it was it wasn't great. He had had that great recruiting class after the final four and it was it was kind of a mess. So you you come in, okay? you come in to Nova. Um, what was it like? What, what was the what was the experience like, and what did what did Coach Wright tell you? Man, so when I when when I got to school, um, you know, our class, Josh Hart and then Daryl Reynolds, we all came in together. So when we got there, Coach Wright just let us know, like you know, when you being a Villanova basketball player, it's all about earning everybody's trust and respect. So you got to put the work in, and when you do that, then that will allow you to flourish in other areas. So when I first got here, it was just tough, just adjusting to the speed of the game. I was pretty physical, so the physicality didn't give me too much trouble. But definitely the speed of the game, I had to lose a lot of weight. I had to to just really, really lock in and work on my game. Because my freshman year, we played Doug McDermott, and he gave us, I want to say he had 39 or 40. But he was out there on the court calling his shots, like, this is good, or off the glass. So it was at that moment where I knew, like, okay, I really need to just go lock myself in the gym because this is pretty crazy. Uh, okay, so in terms of losing, in terms of losing the weight, like, did he come up to you? Did the strength coach come up to you? Was it something you knew in your mind? Like, because that's a that's a hard thing when you just get to college and you're good enough to get there, and now somebody's like, hey, dude, you got to trim down some weight. How how did wh- who first planted the seed? Whose idea was it? Um, it was definitely. I, I would say it was everything you said. I knew in my mind that I had to, but Coach Wright and John Shackleton, the head strength and conditioning trainer at Nova, who who's probably the best in the business, 
you know, they definitely sat me down and said, if you want to have a good career here, if you want to be a good basketball player moving forward, then you can't be out of shape. You know, you have to walk around in shape. So at that point, it just, I had to sacrifice, you know, I couldn't, if I went out and partied, I couldn't, I couldn't eat the late night binge. You know, I just had to go to sleep, drink water and be ready for workouts in the next, the next morning. So, you know, I definitely had to make some sacrifices that the average student athlete who, who's in shape, they didn't have to make. But I mean, when, when you want to do something special and you want to leave a good legacy and you want to just give yourself a chance, you'll do whatever it is you have to. And that, that's how I approach that. Um, what's it feel like to have that weight come off? as a player no I mean it felt great it felt great my body felt great it it felt good just to be able to compete athletically not just skill wise because I always had the skill and the the IQ but to actually be able to you know outrun some people make athletic plays jump here you know sprint back to do those things and to do it at a a high level because I was getting pushed in practice every single day um, it, w- it was just a blessing and it's something that I, I don't take for granted and all those lessons that I've learned through those struggles because it wasn't always easy. Sure. Definitely tough. Definitely there, had to be, there had to be a moment where you're like, I got to get out of here. I can't do this. No, nah, I mean, yeah. Uh, after my sophomore season, I wasn't playing how I should have been. And, um, you know, I was doing all that weight losing stuff, training extra, doing all this stuff. And I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted. And uh, I, Coach Wright and I actually had a talk about this uh, a couple months ago where I told him, I was like, man, I, I even questioned a little bit, like, was I even good enough to play at this level in the Big East, the new Big East, just because it got a little tough. But, you know, I was able to to shake that funk and to lock back in and, you know, the rest was history. It's interesting. I wonder I wonder how we all would have reacted if the transfer portal existed you know, because that you do, because, you know, you go back to your, you go back to your dorm room, whatever your apartment and you just, everybody goes through stretches. By the way, uh, Doug McDermott gave you guys 39 on 17 shots, 17 shots, four or six from three, uh, seven boards in 35 minutes. And they smoked you guys. Unbelievable. Uh, you, it beat you 101 to 80, 101 to 80. That game right there was when I sat, I went and sat somewhere by myself after the game and was like, I really need to work on my game. <laughs> that game right there showed me that I had a very, very long way to go to be a, a good player in college. What was, what was your, what was Nate's experience like, you know, in terms of, I mean, you, you played for two very different styles, very different coaches. When you guys are talking to one another, are you commiserating? Is, uh, you know, what, what, what was that relationship like when he was going to school? I mean, that relationship, like I said, it was great. You know, I would watch them play. He and I, we would talk. He would watch our games. You know, we would talk about, you know, just the game, the game plan, how certain scouts were, how did y'all scout this guy, you know, what is practice like, what is day after the game like for you guys, things like we talked about all of that. And um, I think we might have mentioned early on in our career, like how sweet it would have been if we played each other in the national championship <laughs> in, the, in the tournament. But we never that was something that we never we were like, I mean, if it happened, it's cool. But, you know, it's not one of those things that we really, really saw, you know, coming to fruition. <laughs> So uh, you get your, so you're, as you mentioned, your sophomore year, you were like, man, I, I tap your sophomore year. I don't know if I'm good enough. Right. Yeah, you guys lost in the second round, both those, those first two years. And, you know, idiots like me are like, bro, they're good, but they're, they just hit that ceiling. <laughs> um, th- thinking back to the preseason for the national championship year, mm. was it any different than previous years? It was different because Josh Hart and I knew that this would be our first year starting as starters in the program. So we looked at it in our minds as, okay, the things that happened the first two years, like we weren't starters, we were just kind of guys. We were just a guy. But now we're coming into the roles of being the guys, and we we know that things will be a little different. And that's kind of how we approached that preseason all the way up until the, the very, very last game. Uh, so you guys are rolling along and I remember this game like clear as day when you guys are playing, uh, when you guys played Oklahoma the first time, right? right? So you're playing Oklahoma the first time and it was in, it was in Hawaii, but it was in a weird arena in Hawaii. It was like, it was in Honolulu where I think they used to play the rainbow class. It was like just a one-off kind of game. 
what, what do you remember about that trip? I mean, I just remember us getting smoked, honestly. Like, we, we got our butts kicked on national TV on Pearl, at Pearl Harbor for the Pearl worst. Harbor Day. That's right. That's what it was, Pearl Harbor yeah. Day. That, that's, what, that's what we remember vividly, the embarrassment that we had, you know, on national TV, because that was very, very embarrassing. Like, no matter how you try to slice it, no matter, oh, it was a good experience. No, we, we got hammered. And um, something we never forgot. So, um, <laughs> so, so that, that team proceeds and gets ready for the tournament. And um, I think, was Iowa the team in the second round? I want to say Iowa was the team in the second Iowa, round. Yep. Right? And Iowa can really score. And you're like, oh, this one's going to be a fun one. And I, there was, I mean, that game was ridiculous. It, it was, I think everybody points to, everybody forgets the Oklahoma game where you guys win by 44, which right. is crazy. I mean, I've never seen a bludgeoning like that in the final four. <laughs> but the Iowa game was equally impressive. And I knew it, it, it mattered more, right? Because you had to get past that game. Um, did you guys talk about it? Was it, you know, did you, did you verbalize like, that we, we got a hammer? Well, this is a, this is a huge game. Honestly, Doug, to be to be honest with you, going into the tournament, like our team was so fearless. We had just lost in the Big East Championship to Seton Hall. Yeah. So we had taste in our mouth. So all we were ready to do were was to go out and prove that we were better than the, our last game that we just lost. So heading into the tournament, our only mindset was, all right, our next game, let's have no business and do what we got to do. It's a two tournament. It's a two game weekend. It's a two game tournament for us. We win these two games and then we advance. Um, we kind we never really looked ahead like, oh, we got to get this off our back or, you know, we've lost in the second round. Like I said, going into the season, Josh Hart and I, we kind of looked at it like, look, we did, we weren't starters on those teams. This is a whole new, this is a brand new field that we're bringing coming from PG County. So the DMV. So we were looking at it like, you know what? It's a fresh start. So we ain't looking at that. Um, what was the feeling like of knowing you're going to the final four? Honestly, it made you it made you want to lock in even more because you knew like you were that close. Like you wanted we wanted to send Arch and Daniel off the right way because they meant so much uh, to and turning the program around. Like you said, when we first got there, things were weren't in the situations that that we put them in after. But going into like going into our college career, Nova had struggled a little bit and uh, found their way at the end of the year. And we knew coming in as freshmen that we had a chance to help continue to turn some things around. Okay. So anybody who's been to Nova practice knows that um, there's, I I don't know. Do you guys have words that you're told to say? Are they just repeated over and over? So, cause there's always it's attitude, right? You're always talking to a teammate. What what are the words and how does that work on what you're supposed to say to a teammate? Yeah. So, I mean, attitude is just something that you learn in the recruiting process, but you really lock in your, as soon as you get on campus, your very, very first day. Um, and it's just, you can't control what happened to you, but you can control your attitude and how you approach it and, you know, how you carry yourself in, in any situation. So a bad call, you know, your fourth foul with eight minutes left, you know, any, any, any competitive athlete is going to be extremely upset and tense in that moment. You just got your fourth foul with, eight minutes left to go in the game. So, you know, our whole mindset, whenever something negative happened, was like, yo, attitude, man, handle it great. You're going to get an opportunity to make something happen. Just make sure that you're not worried about this bad thing that happened and you're ready for the next opportunity that you have. So attitude is is something that we all take into life, not just on the basketball court. And so you mentioned if, if you see somebody slipping a little bit, you just say attitude and, and guys, and it kind of, it's like a, like a trigger word sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of just like a trigger where you look at them in the eye, clap at them, like, let's go, man, attitude, next play, next play. We, we yeah, all, attitude, we all, next yeah. attitude, next play, control what you can control. Any, yeah. any others? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's quite a few. Go ahead. Attitude. We got attitude. You can give me the ones that you guys threw in as well. Um, let me see. 94 by 50. That mean when we step out here on the court, we all business. We handling what we got to handle. Uh, we play for the ones that came before us to let them know that everything, all the blood, sweat, and tears that they put into the program, we don't take that for granted. And we're going to do the same, and we're going to try to elevate it. So there, there's there's a couple that we use. Um, but, it went, but when you're young and you first get there, 
how much eye rolling it like gee this stuff is a little, you know like or or you know because it's a it's a lot it's it's i'm just telling you it's different like it's it's a very different practice and atmosphere than most any place you're gonna go yeah nah and and that's what makes villanova so unique is because when those young guys do that you have the older guys right there to get on them and there's nothing like when your teammates get on you because a coach can say something um, an assistant coach, managers, whoever, they could say anything, but it really resonates when it comes from your brother who's out there and battle with you every single day. So when they say it, it holds a lot more weight. So it's easier to, to, to fall in line and get yourself out of the funk that you were in. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You get to the Final Four and you're getting ready to play Oklahoma and everybody's mentioning, you know, how badly they beat you. And, I mean, that thing was over from, from, the, from the jump. Um, the experience of that, what, what do you remember about the Oklahoma game? I mean, honestly, I just remember going into the game and, you know, we kind of knew what type of game it was going to be just because – we knew that they were going to come with the approach like, man, we beat these guys by 20 earlier in the season. So we knew if they were going to take that approach, they had no chance. And that that's that ended up what happened. Um, we will we will watch the ESPN cast. Everybody's talking about how Buddy Hill's going to do this and he's national player of the year and he's so great. And then we just looking like, I will hope y'all able to stand on those words that y'all speaking. Uh, when you, when you looked up, when you looked up, I mean, that's, it's a great feeling. <laughs> you know, I've only really experienced that one. My, my senior would be Kansas by mm-hmm. 33. It was like Roy Williams, worst, worst loss ever. Um, <laughs> it's an, un, but it's, but it's a feeling. And then we beat him again, like a week later at the, mm-hmm. in the big 12 tournament, but it was more the feeling of like complete domination that there's nothing that they can do. Right. That like there's a lot of powerful feelings in basketball, but the idea that there's literally nothing you can do. You can't call a timeout. There's no play. There's no defense. It's just you got there's nothing you can do. That's what I saw with that game. And it just kind of got progressively worse. And they were fighting it and taking their shots got worse and worse. And you guys made more and more. And it was it was just it wasn't like you guys ran it up. It was just complete domination. Yeah. I mean, we we kind of saw it early in the game that, you know, we kind of had them just from, like you said, the shots that they would take and even just, you know, back and forth between some of their players on the court, like, come on, man, make something happen or, man, I'm passing you the ball, what you doing? So, you know, as an athlete on the court, when you hear things like that between the other team. We got them. We got them. It's over. (laughs) Meanwhile, you guys are like attitude, like locked in. Locked Um, in. (laughs) So now you're getting ready for Carolina. And obviously between the Nate element to it, and and it's Carolina, and it's a chance of national championship. Um, that day in between, and then really the games at night. So you got a whole kind of build up at night. Were you on video games? What were you What were you doing um, in that kind of lead up to try and like calm your calm your mind? I mean, they had a game room. They had all that stuff for us, but we were focused, man. We were we were down into our scout. We were down into the game plan. Um, team meals, recovery. And I know myself personally, I was watching everything on TV because everybody was picking Carolina and then just talking about how Villanova was too small and this and that. And, you know, a player like myself, I'm looking for those little extra motivation tips, you know, so I'm going to down, I'm going down each starting five. I'm looking at who they saying is small, and it's only one guy in the lineup that's not really height-wise comparable to his matchup. Right, so it's you, it's you, right? It's me. It's clearly me. Like, there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So the person that they're saying is too small and is going to be the reason why Carolina dominates and wins, they're talking about my matchup. But I'm thinking I got a way better chance of guarding these guys than they do guard me. Sure. It's not even close. Right. Well, yeah, yes, because they're playing. They're playing two bigs, and now exactly. you, got, you got to stretch them out. You and then we, Jenkins with a big man. Like, that's a recipe. That's, 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 that's a mismatch. Yeah. That, that's a mismatch. Well, that's what led to the last shot. We'll get to that. 
So all anybody remembers about the shot, about the game is the shot, right? Like it's literally, I mean, um, I mean, they make a spectacular shot just to, just to put them in position to tie the game. No, but people forget about all that. What do you remember about the game? Um, I, I honestly remember getting two fouls early and I'm thinking to myself, like, I just, I'm, I'm killing the team. So when I got those two fouls early and I got to go offense, defense, so I don't pick up any fouls, I'm just thinking like, man, how can I help the team? Like right now I'm in a tough spot. Like that's a tough spot for anybody to be in. Like I'm in for 25 seconds and then I'm out for two minutes. Then I go back in for 35 seconds and then I'm out a minute and a half. Then it's media time. I'm out. So it's like, man, how can I get a rhythm? How can I help the team? How can I contribute? Um, and I just tried to get a team energy from the bench by cheering and then you know, when I got in the games, offense, defense, I tried to make the most of my offensive possessions. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, Coach, Coach, you got me in on offense for a reason now. You didn't have me out here. You didn't set me in the pass. <laughs> so it's safe to say that I had a few conversations coming off the court about my so- shot selections. <laughs> uh, so who is it? Was it who, who's the like they all have good cop, bad cop. And all we see from Jay, for the most part, is the is the suit, the style, the bang when he made the shot. But when you when you come off a court, does he get and you you took a bad shot? Does he give you the stink eye? Who gets or is it one of the assistants? Uh, I, I will probably say all of them because we had that kind of relationship. You know, I was the kind of player where I didn't really care if we were friends or if you liked me. Um, I'm all about winning and how I can help the team. So you coach me. And when you coach me, I'm not one of those players that if you say, OK, Chris, just do this. I'm not yeah. going to. Like I'm, that's going in one end or the other. You got to sit me down. You got to get in my face, and then I'll be able to understand what you're saying. I, I, I'm just that kind of player. So no, I, I pretty much would would get it from all angles, from my teammates and the coaches. I, I I didn't I didn't say anybody couldn't speak to me or talk to me any kind of way. I, I accepted coaching from from everyone, even walk-ons. Like yo, what do you see? You got you got to be able to tell me. Something. Where does that is that does that come from? Your parents, your mom being a coach in the military background, or does that come from when you got to Gonzaga? Or does that come from when you got to Nova and what was what was taught to you? I mean, it definitely started with my mom, and then when when I got with the Brits with Big Nate, it's just don't ever think that you're above any of that. Just because somebody may not be as good a player as you are, there's going to come a time where you're not as good as anyone as somebody else on your team, and you don't want them to be little you because you don't feel like. They don't feel like you're on the same level. So I always wanted to be appreciative and, and gain knowledge. Uh, people always talk about my basketball IQ, and that's because I, I listen. You know, I, I want I want that information. I want to be able to apply what you're telling me in the game. So when I come to you, I expect you to give me honest, great feedback, honest being first. Interesting. Like, I, I found that team and Nova guys to collectively have a super high – basketball IQ, you know, I mean, you got you, Josh, Arch, like, and, and I think, I do think that there's the, and we, is it, we try as the media, but there's always going to be the, Hey, they're just a bunch of dudes playing basketball or whatever. Whereas like you get blown away by, by the level of, of intelligence. Right. Right. But I, I also think some of that, some of that comes from it's, it's the culture, but it's also the fact that, and so guys that are, Guys that are freshmen, they might not be like that, but you, you t- who's the guy that you guys turned the most that came in that wasn't a listener, that wasn't as coachable, but by the end became super, super coachable? You Honestly, I, that's tough because there, there hasn't been a young guy that's come in like, you know, I don't want to listen on my ish. That, that, was, that felt like that was that previous group. Not all of them. That was that previous group, right, where – I mean, Jay talks about OKGs all the time, like our kind of guy. You got to recruit Nova kind of guys. Yeah, exactly. And um, even even when Jalen came in, you know, McDonald's All-American, number one point guard in the class. You know, he all he did was was listen and gain information. This the year uh, the year we won the championship was Jalen's freshman year. He was a starter. Yeah, and uh, he he was great, man. He he didn't come in thinking that he was above anybody because he was Mickey D's or his dad was Rick. You know, he always just. He wanted to be a part of the team and he wanted to make the team better. And in doing that, he elevated the entire program. What is it? What is it about Jalen? Because, because again, like you have, you guys had pros all over and you guys, you're all tough and skilled, but it, it changed when he got there. 
Mm-hmm. And he was synonymous with winning. And even now, if you watch him with the Mavs, like he's not a blur as an athlete. He just no. gets shit done. He just gets shit done. He's right? playing he great right now, too. I know he just gets a lot done. But how? How does how do you do that when you're not he's not big, he's not crazy athletic. So how? Well, one, his his basketball IQ is out of this world. And his work ethic, man. When Jalen got to school, he had a plan mapped out. He and his family had a plan mapped out basically where he would be done in three years and on his NBA path. And, you know, he got two national championships in three years, every player of the year award that you can name, every Big East award that you can name. And he got his degree in three years. Um, and so in my eyes, man, he's he's one of the greatest Big East players ever. In any college, bas- college basketball players. Exactly. You know, I, I I was fortunate, man. I had some of the, the best teammates ever. You know, they made my life easy. I tell those guys all the time. Y'all made me famous. <laughs> um, you guys also were last, I think, in the country, both your junior and senior year in fewest fouls. Now you're talking about in national championship, you get two fouls. So what's the what's the secret? What's the Villanova secret? Because you guys are super physical, but you don't get called for fouls. Right. How? Honestly, every day working on technique, we have refs come in, uh, we have scrimmages with them being there. So uh, preseason, so we know how they're going to call, what they're looking for. And then at that point, it's just competing and using our IQ. You know, we're trying to win. We're not trying to give anyone easy points. So um, and then what also helps is practice. The guy that I'm going up against in practice is better than the guy that I'm going to play in the game. Okay, you go in halftime. You got two fouls. You kind of survived the first half, right? And the two foul thing sucks because, you know, I played for a coach who he just lets you play through it. You get five. So, oh, stop fouling. Jay's subbing you in offense and defense. Um, But one of the things that I – so I'm I I was at CBS at the time, and I'm studying all this stuff. And I distinctly recall – I I had it at at ten times – that you guys ran it, but Jay would use that, use it or lose it timeout at the end of the first half. And you guys would always run the same play, the same play you scored on to win the game. You guys would, would run that. Am I wrong to think like that was kind of a staple that you would, you would run that play at the end of halves, not just the end of games, like the scene hall game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely something that, that we ran in any situation where he felt like it was useful whether it be, like you said, end of the half, um, coming off a media timeout, uh, end of the game situation, um, whatever time was restricted, this, that. So he, uh, we were great. We practiced all those situations uh, every day. Okay, so you come out at halftime. What do you remember? Um, going into the locker room, I want to say we were down. So, you know, everybody is just, you know, attitude. We got 20 more minutes. Um, I think Daniel – before the coaches came in, Daniel uh, said some words to us to, to get us refocused and to re- relock back in. And then that's what like what? Was. Like, like what was what does that mean? Like, what, what would he say? I mean, it was just more so along the lines of like, yo, we've been here before. We know what to do. These guys, they aren't they aren't better than us. Uh, we, we're killing ourselves. Uh, we got this turnover. Chris, you guys, stop fighting. We need you on the floor. Um, let's continue to execute. Be strong. Things like that, just just getting honest about the things that we know that we should have been doing. Yeah, Phil was killing though too. Like that was that was that was the one kind of saving grace because Phil had been hurt a bunch that year. Phil, keep shooting, <laughs> stay aggressive. Every time you out here, please be aggressive. Um, when you're warming up, because that was in Houston, and and the big talk of it was terrible background, bad shooting. Okay, obviously you guys shot the hell out of the ball in the semifinals, and everybody stopped talking about that. Right. When you're in warmups and in, in the second half or in the first half when you warm up, like did you feel like it was it was wet? Um, does did you have that feeling like it's going to be a good night or it's going to be a good half? Did you we we or or was the success in the game a bit of a surprise considering how you were shooting warmups? Um, honestly, uh, whether I go zero for twelve in the first half or you know twelve for twelve going into the that next half or the next time that we get ready to step on the court, I think I'm going to go 12 for 12 in that next bunch too. <laughs> so um, I, I thought I had a good rhythm. I thought I was fine. I just was telling myself, play hard, play smart though. You can't play hard and not play smart. You Like you're killing your team by not being on the floor. Like you just being out there 
helps the entire offense, whether you have the ball in your hands or not. And then defensively, it allows us to switch certain things, allows us to play small or do whatever we want to do. Like I was that player that could allow us to go either way, depending on how the game was going because of the role that I had on the team. So just coming into the second half, I just knew that you know, I had to settle down and get back into the Florida game with my teammates, just play off of them. Truth now, years later, when you're playing, at any point in time, is it in your mind what's at stake? Honestly, nah. You, we were you just, just approaching as our next game. You know, we, yeah. we took at Villanova, we took every game like it was the national championship. I, I got it, but man, it's, it's, there's 70,000 people there. It's the national championship. It's North Carolina. You know, it's Nate. It's all this other stuff. Like you got all this. Like there's a lot going on. Was there a moment where you're sitting there and you look around like, damn man? Or because I will tell you, as a broadcaster, I remember my my second game I did in the tournament. What Southern was beating Gonzaga. Um, this is the year Gonzaga got beat by Wichita State. Okay. Um, in the second round, so Wichita just beat Pittsburgh. And so I have Southern's leading four minutes to go and I'm working with the Spiro Adidas and we're like, holy shit, we're going to call the first 16, one upset. Right. We're, we're like, all right, calm down. And it, and it wasn't until <laughs> it wasn't until like four minutes to go that under four timeout comes up. And then we're like, are can you believe this? Like, you know, I'm locked in when you're in a game like that and you get down and you're looking up and it's like five minutes to go and somebody's at the free throw line. There's no moment where you're like, damn, this shit is, this is for everything. Okay, the, the moment that I had that where I was like, man, this is pretty cool was, you know, you get those few seconds uh, right after the national anthem, like when everything is kind of, you know, they're setting up to do the starters and whatever have you. So right after the national anthem, I had a ch- chance to kind of like peek around and glance. And that that's when I was like, this is pretty cool. Time to win the game. <laughs> Did you now who got introduced last? Arch? Like, was, was, who's, who's the last guy? Arch. I believe Arch was the last guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that important to you when you got introduced? Like, you're like, man, I want to be first. I want to be last. Did you did you guys haggle over that at all? See, I I didn't haggle it, but I was weird. So my favorite number is two. So I'm like, man, let me get introduced second. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to be first and I don't want to be last. Let me get the second spot that like because I always felt like two. So who was so who was first? Who what? That's a great question. I can't even remember. Jalen? I want to say might have been Jalen. Jalen might have been first. You might be right. Yeah. I was always last. I love being last. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. It's like, it's like you're like, it's just like a wave of people coming behind you, like getting all hyped, slapping fives. <laughs> just that I I always like being, I like being last, whatever. And then all of a sudden the fun, because it, it, you know what happens? It feels like everybody's always cheering for you. They're not really cheering for you. It's because, you know, people kind of like they cheer, they cheer, they cheer. And then all of a sudden, you know, especially at home, they introduce you're, you're the last guy. It's the home team. And so you basically kind of cheat and get everybody else's cheers all together at once. And it sounds like you're the most popular guy on earth. It's a secret to that one. We got See, the knowledge. I should have passed down to guys years ago, but not now years later. Okay. So Marcus hits, Marcus Page hits a crazy shot. Crazy shot. Crazy. Okay. Uh, and Jay calls timeout. Take me to the huddle. Exactly what happened in the huddle. I mean, you could probably guess the first word everybody was saying when we got attitude. 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 Hey, this is what we practice for right here. We practice the most. We put you guys in the most difficult situations in practice for times like this. A guy hits a circus shot that if we asked him to do it again the same way, he probably couldn't do it. No. But. These are the moments that we live for because in every situation, every other team will crumble. But we attitude, we next play. This is why we've been doing this since Coach Wright been here. Attitude, next play. So we we in the huddle. Nobody's down. Nobody's looking down. We all know what we're going to run. And we know Arch is going to have the ball. So in our mind, we like Arch win the game for us. Like, you're the senior captain. You've been a four-year captain at Villanova. One of the first ones to ever do that. I mean, this is a story big ending for you. You better not pass the ball to nobody. That's all our mindset in the huddles. <laughs> did he even draw it on the board? Or did he just say? Uh, yeah, so we draw it up on the board. We run and press O. D.O. set the screen here. Ours come off. And then you 
get to the basket, get to a pull up, like win the game for us. Now, is it called Nova? What is it called? Presso. 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 Now he now did he fall down against Seton Hall. Is that what happened in the in the Big East Championship? He did. So everybody saw Daniel mopping up the court and thought it was just like I don't know something to do for him, I guess. But if you go back to the Big East Championship where we lost, Daniel felt like his sweat was the reason that Art slipped. So he wanted to make sure around the space where he was going to set the screen that the floor was clean because he knows that he sweats a lot. That's oh, he's a big sweater. Oh, it's the worst. The big sweater is the worst. Oh, man. Guarding those dudes in practice, they're like, oh, God. You you understand. Them dudes oh. the worst. Imagine, oh. imagine trying to fight through a screen on him. Uh, mm. uh. Well, and plus, and the way you guys and the way you guys defend, where you got your belly out, right? You're constantly yeah, making contact. Out. Oh, hands back! You're getting all that sweat. <laughs> so, okay, so now you're taking the ball in bounds, and I distinctly remember I'm watching, and they put Bryce underneath the hoop, and I'm like, "Do they not know what's coming?" Right? <laughs> and, and and I'm I'm sure they wanted him to protect the rim in case Arch would get to the rim, I guess, but they put him, all they had to do was put him at the, at the top of the key or the free throw line. Instead, they put him underneath the hoop. Did you see him underneath the hoop? So I didn't see him underneath the hoop, like when I was taking the ball up. But when we broke our huddle, Arch and I were walking down because I, I, I take the ball out in, in all those situations, and he's the point guard. So he and I, we're walking, we're walking down after we break our huddle. And I just know from previous scouts that teams usually don't ever put a guy on the ball, especially in a situation like this. So I just whispered to him, I'm like, yo, I think I'm going to be open. And he's like, all right. And then I, I go by the ref and get ready to take the ball up. So the, the, the secret to that shot to me is you have to, once you get the ball in bounds, you got to sprint, but then you got to be under control for the catch, right? Right. Because if you're full sprint, you're not going to make it. If you're too slow, then you're not going to you're not going to be open, or you're not going to be in the right in the right position. Right. Uh, you're watching. You throw it in. There's the screen. Like, do you, take me through your memory banks of running at, into the catch and shooting the basketball. So when I when I passed him the ball, at that point in time, my only thought was to get somewhere where he can either see me or hear me. Because I was I was calling his name the whole time running up the court. Arch, 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 arch. So I, my whole thought process was like, yo, just get somewhere. He's going to see you or he's going to hear you. It's arch. Like, <laughs> he's going to see hey, you. Can you hear when there's when there's 75,000 people yelling? Can can you actually you can still hear each other, though, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, like a weird, still- it's a weird thing that people don't understand. You can't hear anybody else, but you can actually right. kind of hear each other. Yeah, and, and because, you know, we've been around each other so long, voices are familiar in a crowd, things of that nature. So he was able to hear me. And then I guess when he when he crossed back over, that's when he saw me and he saw how open I actually was. And then that's when he made the pitch back and I was able to stay under the control and do something that we do in Villanova that you learn the first day on offense. You catch the shoot. Coach Wright lets you know day one on offense. If you don't catch the shoot, I can't play you. <laughs> so you you get it now are you did do you watch do you watch the spin or do you watch the hoop when you shoot <laughs> i watch the hoop i i, I watch the hoop because like, you know some guys they look at the, they look at the, they look at the ball some guys look at look at the hoop you let yeah. it go did you know right away i did so if, if you can actually go i shot it and then i lean forward because when i lean forward in my mind i'm like oh that's going in yes because i never shoot and lean forward i always shoot stay on balance Come down in the same spot that you that you jump. Yeah, you kind of step. You kind of step curried it a little bit. Yeah. Now sometimes when he shoots deep, when he he. <laughs> okay, so close your eyes for a second. I know you answer this question all the time, but what is that feeling really like? Honestly, it's definitely humbling because you get so many people that come up to you and tell you like, "Yo, I watched this shot with my dad, who has since passed away," or. You know, I watched this with a family member who was sick and passed away. So, like, for, for all of us to share that moment, even though I wasn't sitting in the living room with them, you know, for me to be a part of something that they hold dear to their heart, um, I thought things like that were were extremely humbling and 
those are probably some of the things that I cherish the most, just the memories that I was able to give other people. Here, look, this is a true story. I have no connection to Villanova, none. And there were times which I picked against you guys because you always lost in the second round, right? right? I got goosebumps even thinking about that moment because that's that's the moment that everybody – I used to shoot in a, a kid's driveway down the street, Garrett Phipps, and, I, 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 um, and I'd get my basketball. I'd run out of my house, and we had these plants. They're called Bird of Paradise, so big leaves. And so I would slap fives with the big leaves, right? And then I'd, I'd pretend like I'd, I would broadcast the game and I would be both teams. So right. I'd watch a game on TV. I'd be both teams. And every little kid, five, four, three, two, you know, to win the championship. But you actually just did it, right? right. Did, did it. And then, you know, Jay's sitting over there like cool as can be. Right? <laughs> Guys are going crazy. Confetti's coming down. What are you doing? I'm at the bottom of the pal. So I'm telling these dudes to get you off got, me. You got to, please tell me Daniel wasn't close. Because now he's sweating all over. And you're like, oh, no. He wasn't. He wasn't in the pile. He wasn't. He didn't sweat up the pile. Thank goodness. <laughs> but, yeah, I was at the bottom of the pile. I think Phil had jumped on me and then Josh and then Arch and Hank. And then it was just a whole bunch of people. So I found myself at the bottom of the pile asking everybody to please get off of me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that vividly. I had to be in at the bottom of the pile, like, man, can y'all get up, please? <laughs> um, how many text messages do you remember? Uh, well over, well over twenty five hundred text messages to my phone by the time I got back to it at the locker room. So, what do you do? Do you, I mean, do you like, do you, do you send a message, send a note, and then copy it and copy and paste it? You let somebody else do it. Like, what do you? Well, how do you? How do you respond to all those? I mean, you're just trying to find a little bit of time to to respond. Like, obviously, I respond to my family because I'm getting ready to see them in a few. So I made sure I took care of that. And then, you know, just throughout the night until the next day, just just made my rounds and um, showed people the respect and the love that, that they showed me. All right, that's part one with Chris Jenkins. Part two will drop sometime, I don't know, tomorrow, maybe the next day. It's so good. And we talk about everything that's happened since. Really kind of an amazing, amazing discussion. Um, speaking of amazing discussions, I think what's fascinating about these COVID protocols, and there's so many people who are like, well, why don't we shut down the sport for a month or shut down the sport for a couple of weeks and, and everybody kind of get it all out of the system? The problem becomes, and that's a great idea in theory, right? but the problem is in practice. So if you shut down teams now, what about teams that have already been shut down? Like Colorado State, I I did their game the other night against Air Force. And Air Force didn't have four of their top eight, and Colorado State hadn't played in 24 days. So if you shut it down now for two, three weeks, like, well, okay, Colorado State, why do they have to miss basically 30 days of basketball games? You know, other teams, uh, there's UCLA has already been through all the protocols and whatever. They've already been through everything. Um, meanwhile, you have some who haven't had you know, COVID go through their team just yet. And if you shut them down for two weeks and you come back, there's going to be some teams that are going to miss some players or have some shutdowns. It's it's a nearly impossible task to judge who's really all that good. And I kind of think just plowing through it is probably the best possible way to do it, especially with, you know, Omicron being um, as, as spreadable. Is that the word? Uh, spreading as easily as it does. In the meantime, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on your iHeartRadio app or Fox Sports Radio. Reminder, you can send us all the requests of, of guests you can at Gottlieb Show, and we'll I'll reach out. We'll sit them down. We'll talk with them. Thank you so much for downloading. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.